this is Erica Harlicker. I voice um, on in Persona 5, uh, Violet Evergarden and Violet Evergarden, Ruler in Fate Apocrypha, Elizabeth and Seven Deadly Sins, uh, other things, and you're listening to Third Impact Podcast. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of the Third Impact Anime Podcast. Today we will be talking about uh, this movie, Penguin Highway, which just uh, premiered in U.S. theaters just a week or two ago uh, after a Japanese release of uh, later in 2018. Uh, I am the host for this evening, Tobias, and I am joined by both Tori. Hello. And... uh, I guess this other guy. Hold on, I gotta pull over because I'm still uh, driving on the Penguin Highway. Give me a second. (laughs) (laughs) What are you even doing? I'm not even sure anymore. At at least pull in the gas station. Come on. (laughs) I need Penguin gas to drive my Penguin car on the Penguin Highway. Perfect. (laughs) Well, this other guy is Austin. I'm Austin, by the way. That's my name. Yeah. Oh, is is it? Okay. Great. Thanks. All right. So, yeah, like I said, today we're going to be talking about Penguin Highway. But first, let's do a little uh, upkeep here, as per usual. So, uh, Austin, what besides driving recklessly, what have you been up to lately? Well, um, not too much. Things have been pretty standard here uh, lately. But uh, I have done a couple of interesting things. Um, going back through some video game backlog I've got. So, uh, uh, Tori sort of, kind of, still works at GameStop. Uh, it's a long, complicated story, but, uh, I think sort of kind of works at GameStop is a decent way to say it. Yeah. But, um, using that, uh, using Tori's generous discount, I picked up the Sly Cooper collection for PS3. Oh, cool. And, um, yeah, I played a bit of the Sly games, like, way back in the day on PS2, but never really got super into it. I was more concerned with, like, how many times can I beat Kingdom Hearts 2, like, over and over again. Uh, I was a really bad child. I did not branch out of my comfort zone when it came to video games very much. Um, but I've been playing uh, the Thievius Raccoonus in my in some of my spare time, and that's that's been a lot of fun. It's just a good, fun platformer. And uh, I haven't played anything, like, of that style in such a long time. Like, probably since playing the Ratchet & Clank reboot on PS4, which is, like, even then it's like really not the same as like those ps2 platformers because it's so updated um to its sort of detriment i think but uh yeah sly's fun i i've been enjoying it a lot i'm hoping we'll get maybe a ps4 update for that or possibly even a playstation 5 update here in the future because i likewise have not played any of those games i think Mm -hmm. uh i also got the jack and daxter collection on the uh, Mm -hmm. like a ps plus free game and, oh nice! Uh, yeah, and I enjoyed that uh, for a little. I actually played of it, but I think Sly is one of those games that. Uh, so it's is it more of like a like stealth sort of thieving game, or is it? I mean, yes and no. It's like it's like Baby's first stealth game, but that doesn't mean <laughs> that it's always like really easy or anything. So Austin's first stealth game. 
Exactly, because I mean, I'm basically a baby when it comes to video games. I'm generally speaking not very good, um, but uh, yeah, it's got its challenging moments, and it's kind of like like Crash Bandicoot in the sense where like if you get hit once or twice, depending on if you have like a like health booster item or whatever, like you're you're down and you have to like restart the section or restart the level or whatever, and it's got um like lives and you can only use like five or whatever so that that's what makes it challenging you can't just like run into places and expect to be okay all the time because it can get pretty tough uh tori what about yourself um i've slowly been working through the final season of the walking dead game because i'm not like emotionally prepared at all Mm. and by very slowly i mean i've only played maybe 45 minutes of it (laughs) um but other than that i've just been catching up on some netflix shows um, I finished season three of Santa Clarita Diet and got Rest the news. In peace. Yeah, literally, um, uh, because Netflix decided not to renew it just because they didn't feel like it. So, um, and then I finished up season two of the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Still bad. Um, okay. so okay. <laughs> it got better, and I was like, okay, maybe I was wrong. And then two episodes later, it was back to being not that great. Um, and I feel like I could do a whole episode on what makes that show so bad to me, but hey, maybe another day. Um, I did end up buying the first issue of the new run of Sabrina the Teenage Witch, and that was a lot of fun. It was actually very good. Um, I like the art style, and it kind of calls back to, like, the original TV show that we watched and loved in the 90s. Oh, yeah. So, that one is so good. So far, so good. I've heard a lot of good things about all of the Sabrina comics, both the original mm-hmm. and, so I, I guess, from you, from the, the most recent one as well. So mm-hmm. it's not something I really thought of. I've only having seen the you know, Melissa Joan Hart TV show way <laughs> yeah. back in the day. I'm, it's kind of interesting to me to see it make a comeback, uh, mm-hmm. both that and, and Riverdale also. It's something oh, I didn't Riverdale. ever think I would ever see. <laughs> Well, Tobias, you know that we we can no longer have new original ideas. We have to just take other things and do them differently. Right. And it's like, who who looked at Archie and was just like, you know what that needs? Uh, A weird teen melodrama. (laughs) A lot more sex. Exactly. (laughs) Pretty people (laughs) getting into pretty people problems, basically. (laughs) Well, as for myself, uh, I've I continued to not watch any anime, uh, which is not entirely true. I've, I'm still plugging away at Sailor Moon. Uh, I was a little bit behind there after the most recent cons I did, but I, I finally caught back up. I think we're like in the last half of R currently in the wow. group watch. Nice. Uh, and I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm really still enjoying it. Uh, it's still a fun, you know, classic for a reason type of show. You know, we haven't talked about this because um, we just haven't been on a podcast together, and I don't acknowledge your existence unless we're recording. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm actually watching Sailor Moon now, too. Um, oh, I'm cool. only on, like, episode 12 or so, but uh, maybe I'll catch up to you by the end of the year. <laughs> I don't know. because I've been bullying him. Yeah, it's Nick. really good. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's it still holds up uh, pretty well. I think there's some episodes that definitely look a little aged, and uh, I... I I think in the, in the first season or so, they do a lot of romance episodes back to back, and I think that kind of threw me initially. Cause I was a lot thinking, of materialism episodes. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I think it gets better though. Like, there's still a lot of uh, like romantic interest episodes, a lot of focus on that as it goes. But I feel like the way they uh, 
I guess, mature into that uh, as a series. Yeah. Uh, I think it makes it flow a lot better. Uh, all the characters are still really great. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying watching it again as an adult. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because of that reason, being able the, to enjoy the characters definitely do mature. Like you kind of, you kind of watch them mature as you go through the seasons. Um, and I, like you said, that I think that throws a lot of people off because you know when you see like out of context Sailor Moon stuff, it's either really really funny or it's like them fighting a villain or something. But you you watch them go from like unrefined teen girls to like lovely young women. <laughs> Yeah, and they they all have their own distinct distinct uh, personalities and characters. I think it's interesting, like watching it way back as a kid. Like I think Amy was the coolest, but now yeah. it's like it's totally Makoto. And then after watching this past week, uh, definitely Minako now. Uh, mm-hmm. I watched the episode where she's trying to take care of everybody when they're all sick. Oh <laughs> yeah, she keeps messing everything up, and it's just it's kind of just adorable. You're and, doing amazing, oh. sweetie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I'm still plugging away at that. I'm still neglecting the most recent seasons of anime. I'm just keeping a list of all the things I missed. I did watch the first episode of Sarazanmai by Yukuhara, and oh boy, that is certainly a show. A show yeah. that I'm going to love, but it's also weird as hell. <laughs> you need to get around to that for sure, but you need to watch Dororo, because that's been really darn good. <laughs> yeah, Tori, do you want to talk about the shows we're watching for a second? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, I totally should have did that earlier, but um, I hadn't really been watching anything lately either um, because I've kind of been back in that little bit of burnout. But um, we've been keeping up with Fruits Basket really, really well, actually. (laughs) Um, So that's been so far so good. Um, They've changed a little bit um, from like the manga, but not... Not like the original, and not in a way that really takes anything away, I think. Um, I saw somebody refer to Toru as a human nightlight, <laughs> and I Aww, was just like... that's precious. Yeah, like, yeah, that really, that really, um, no pun intended, shines through. Like, her character is huh. very well captured this time around, and I think everybody is just, like, themselves, and it's so good. And I can't wait to do a uh, Fruits Basket episode. <laughs> Um, what else are we watching? We're watching, um... We are watching uh, Demon Demon Slayer. Slayer. Yes. Um, and that's the only, the only Slayer that I care about. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, that's also really good. I love the art style. It's kind of that, like, typical shonen type thing, but in in a way that really stands out. Like, the art and the character designs are all really nice, and um, mm-hmm. there's some interesting, like, aesthetic choices, like, with the main character's weapon that I'm excited to see. Because um, he's got that power, I guess, that kind of looks it makes it look like the Great Wave is coming out of his sword, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and the little sister character is so good, and so far they don't play into that, like, weird little sister trope. So I'm, I'm hoping that that stays good and pure. Because um, she's a really funny character for, like, what she's going through. <laughs> so far, it hasn't really done anything that's, like, super revolutionary. But it's got Mm-mm. this sort of, like, this horror angle to it that I don't really... That you don't really see a lot in, like, mainline shonen series. Yeah. Um, and it's it's very, very brutal. Like, brutality to the point of, like, Golden <laughs> Kamui levels. There's a guy that gets his head kicked off in, like, the second episode. And that was yeah. so funny to me. <laughs> Yeah, but it seems like it might get, like, a little bit sillier as it goes on, just because yeah. of, like, the, the opening shows so many characters that are just like, what in the world is this guy? What is what what is this man that's, like, almost naked wearing a pig mask or whatever? I stand. Um, 
<laughs> so like it might get more silly as it goes on if it does yeah. it i mean it it still might be pretty good but i it i appreciate has... like it's it's like it's playing it pretty straight so far yeah but it has a, heart and it really stands good. out yeah it does it does have a lot of heart and i think that's i think that's what makes me uh more invested in uh mm-hmm. coming back coming back to it every week rather than walking away and thinking that was neat i don't really care um <laughs> so yeah i'm uh I'm enjoying that. It's cool. Yeah. It's very cool. And um, I'm waiting for you to catch up to Dororo so we can yes. watch more of it. Um, you you had started it before I did, and I'm very much mm-hmm. a person that's like, I don't really like period pieces that much unless it's something that I like. know I'm going to actively be interested in. And then I watched one episode, and then the next thing I knew I was on episode, like, seven, so... <laughs> it's um it's really good it's really really good and um like you said kind of with like demon slayer it's not the story's been done before but like it feels it feels new and so far in doro's case the story has literally been done before (laughs) yeah (laughs) um but all the characters so far are really likable and the character that i think i like the most i didn't expect to um which is the the doctor the guy that makes the prosthetics i was like oh i'm gonna love this little like annoying brat kid but um no like for some reason like i'm really enamored by the old man and want to know more about him So moving on ahead here, uh, just uh, again a little bit of upkeep. Uh, 30 Impact Anime will be doing a couple of conventions here uh, in the next month or two or three or so. Uh, <laughs> later in May, we're going to be uh, splitting our group, splitting the party between Animazement in Raleigh on Memorial Day weekend and also Momocon in Atlanta, Georgia, same weekend. Uh, so either 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 way, if you're going to be either in Raleigh or you know Atlanta, or if you're one of the not cool kids that are not going to be in Anime North, then <laughs> you will definitely uh, see us for sure, one way or another. Uh, we'll have a uh, you know a, a, a I guess I should say a full list of our panel content up a little a uh, little closer to the convention here. I'm sure we'll make a post on the blog about that. So look forward to that. If you're going to either one of those conventions and feel free to come say, Hey, check us out and uh, buy us some drinks. I certainly would not, uh, <laughs> not appreciate that for sure. Where is the blog Tobias? Oh, uh, uh, facebook.com slash third impact anime, something like <laughs> no, that. Oh no. Yuck. Not no. that. Oh no. <laughs> We no, we we actually spend money to get a real URL, so we got to use it. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Actually, I got thirdimpact.zanga.com. <laughs> Incorrect. <laughs> no. All right, yeah. So our website is thirdimpactanime.com. Uh, we have you know, links to all of our show notes to all the podcasts as they are released, as well as a couple of written articles that we're a little bit behind on, but they're still there. You can check those out. 
And of course, it has links to the actual podcast repository on Podbean as well, and uh, links to our social media accounts all there. So go check us out at thirdimpactanime.com for all of your thirdimpactanime.com needs. All right, so let's go ahead and move into the meat of the podcast here, uh, Penguin Highway. Uh, this movie, uh, which just had a U.S. premiere just uh, uh, earlier in the month, I think uh, the week of the 10th through the 13th or so, I think they're still doing a couple uh, mop-up screenings here and there, but at least as far as we're concerned, uh, we saw this about a week or so ago. Uh, I went to go see the uh, subversion, and I think you guys went to go see that as well? We, we saw the dub, saw the dub actually. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. awesome. So we're going to have different, a little different perspectives here yeah. as far as the, uh, the movie itself. So uh, to give a little background here for Penguin Highway, this was based on a novel by Tomihiko Morimi, uh, a name that I have uttered several times on this podcast uh, <laughs> since there have been anime adaptations of uh, their works. The Tommy Galaxy, The Night is Short, Walk On Girl, uh, which we did a podcast on, but I uh, was lost. No we will do another reasons. one one of these days, I promise. <laughs> we will go back to that. We'll revisit it when it comes out on Blu-ray. It's Wait, already, it's already out. out. See? <laughs> I know we'll nothing. Do, we'll do a 10th anniversary episode on it. Yeah, there we go. I know nothing. 10-month T- t- anniversary, maybe. <laughs> and uh, also, Marimi uh, had, uh, wrote the novel The Eccentric Family, which also got a vastly different but still great uh, anime adaptation from a few years back. Uh, likewise, Penguin Highway was adapted by yet another studio, uh, Studio Colorido, that uh, hasn't quite caught the hasn't got quite the attention that a lot of other anime studios like you know PA Works or Madhouse or any number of those studios have gotten. But uh, doing a little research into this, I'm really interested to see what they had done over the past what five six years of their existence. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Colorido was founded a lot like uh, Noitamina and the Animator Expo project in the sense that it was uh, sort of there to let anime creators and animators just sort of make uh, what they want without worrying about uh, like finances and financial issues. Uh, you know, I think it's pretty topical now. We just got news about the big crunch at Madhouse uh, over the past uh, you know few years, which is just one... Uh, one little bit to add to this avalanche of news we keep hearing about the you know, animators in Tokyo, you know, being able to barely afford to live. And it's been a very sad state there. So it's, it's really cool to see projects like this, like Colorado, where they can just, um, where they can just let these, uh, you know, creators do what they do best. So, uh, and initially they had a couple of smaller works here. Uh, one of the founders did a short Shashinkan, uh, then they went on to do a uh, short film, Hinata no Aoshigure, uh, also known in English as Sunny Boy and Dewdrop Girl. And then uh, the director for that would go on to do Typhoon Naruta, just a few years back as well. Uh, in addition, they've done several commercials for franchises like Puzzle and Dragons and also McDonald's. So if you guys have seen those uh, pretty infamous, I think now, uh, ads on social media with the sort of anime style McDonald's ad, that was the same studio. So uh, Penguin Highway was directed by one of Colorado's own, Hiroyasu Ishida, who I think is most well known for a little short film called Fumiko's Confession, which also hit a viral status. Uh, I'm sure if you've gone to Anime Hell or you know any major anime con playing short films. Uh, you've probably seen this about a girl just confessing uh, to a, a boy and then eventually falling down 
and down and further down through this very vertical city uh, in a very frenetic, like animated style that is very, if nothing else, you remember that just wacky animation. It's incredibly uh, Looney Tunes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's it's something that I don't think I would really ever sort of forget. Even uh, even if you're not really familiar with this, and I wasn't aware that he should have did this going into this uh, podcast, but it's something that stood with me since I saw it a few years back. He also directed uh, Typhoon Naruto, which is not only licensed in the U.S. by Sentai Filmworks and has been for a few years now, they also dubbed it into English, and I'm pretty sure that they put it out on uh, on home video as well, but... I'm almost certain that it's available on High Dives. If you guys wanted to check out Typhoon Naruto, I would highly recommend it. I've seen it. It's um, it reminds me a lot. It, it, it seems like a like a like a test pilot movie for some of the same things that they did in Penguin Highway. Okay. Like it's got this very uh, like sci-fi realism thing going on. The uh, the uh, relationship between like emotions and um, environments and sort of using like um, things happening in the real world as a metaphor for feelings, um, right. which is something that is definitely true for, um, for Penguin Highway and that we'll get into later. Um, but it's like a 20, it's like, it's like 25 minute little short OVA. Um, and it's incredibly, uh, beautiful. It reminds me of a lot of like, uh, Makoto Shinkai works okay. where it's like, like, as I said, like a lot of focus on weather effects and, uh, character animation and, um, yeah, it, it's it's really quite good. Um, wouldn't take up too much of your time, so I'd highly recommend going to check it out if you haven't seen Penguin Highway, or if you have and you want to see something else like it. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm mm. going to be honest. I had not really heard of this studio or really people talk about this studio until this, so I'm definitely interested in going back and checking out uh, some of these other works. Apart from the McDonald's ad, probably the thing that people would most know Colorito for would be the Noe Tamina logo, like the little mm. girl like running on the chair. Right before shows like um oh gosh noe tamina's like ping pong the animation psychopaths um dororo now i believe oh, okay um, i think now they've got an exclusive deal with amazon prime so a lot of these shows on amazon prime are uh noe tamina block series which is unfortunate because amazon prime is the least good anime streaming <laughs> service very true yeah yeah, I'm thinking, like, uh, if you think of all the notable stuff from the past decade or so, it's like a 50-50 chance of being a Noi Tom in a show. Yeah, honestly. Like, I've seen about, probably about 75% of all the Noi Tom in a stuff since they started back in uh, the early 2010s. I want to say, like, yeah. 2011 or so. Yeah, um, something like that. And, like, everything I've seen that they have made has has made it into my, like, top top 20, top 30, even, like, my top 10 at some times. Exactly. All right. Well, moving along through this staff breakdown here, the character designs in Penguin Highway were by Yojiro Orai, who also is a, another longtime uh, Colorado staffer. Uh, most notably, he also did the character designs for Hinata no Aoshigure, as well as doing the key animation for the Flip Flappers opening. Nice. And I think out of Flip Flappers also has a lot of that, I guess, same style, maybe a little bit more frenetic than what we it's see wild. in like Fumiko's <laughs> Confession. But yeah, a, mm-hmm. a lot wilder for sure. But uh, it's really cool to see a lot of these key animators do a lot of interesting things mm-hmm. through the anime canon. Yeah, it has uh, a lot of like particle effects focus, or not mm-hmm. particle effects, but like uh, environmental effects and uh, like Looney Tunes physics and all that stuff. 
Arai also did in-between animation for a couple notable films from the last decade, uh, including Children Who Chase Lost Voices from Deep Below, and uh, The Secret World of Arietti, and The Wind Rises as well. So uh, he's had a hand in several of those films. And uh, the script for Bingo on Highway, uh, this again, again was adapted from Morimi's novel. This is The script itself was by Makoto Ueda, who adapted uh, both Tatami Galaxy and the Night is Short adaptations. So uh, they, he's also got a long history of working closely with these novels. And uh, lastly, let's go over some of the key animators for Penguin Highway. Right off the bat, we've got Kiyotake Oshiyama, who uh, worked on the new Furikuri series, both alternative and progressive. He was also the director on Flip Flappers, the, the series as a whole. Uh, also did key animation on the Full Meta Alchemist movies, uh, both the original original and the sequel. The I think the sequel is more of a Brotherhood movie, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, I believe so. And uh, of course, like most notable key animators, he had a hand in a couple episodes on Space Dandy as well. Uh, also on the key animation staff, we have Namiko Ishidate, who previously worked on Lou Over the Wall, did in-between uh, animation on Shirobako, uh, interestingly enough, and also key animation on the Eccentric Family. Is he like a PA Works guy? That I'm not too familiar with. That mm-hmm. may be a safe assumption with both Shirobako and Eccentric Family. Probably. I think uh, I think with Lou though it was specifically Colorido because I I do mm-hmm. remember seeing Colorido's name on the staff for Lou over the wall. Okay. So I think they, I, th- I think given their track record and given their pedigree here, I think that uh, we'd see Colorido and um, oh geez what's the other one Science Sorrow working together pretty well. Oh yes. Hmm. Man, imagine that. That that sounds like the powerhouse of the 2020s. I'm gonna I'm gonna predict that right now. <laughs> Yeah. And then moving along, the next key animator is Taiki Kono, who uh, previously worked on the full title being Fireworks, Should We See It From The Side or The Bottom? Review available from Austin Craver on thirdimpactanime.com, <laughs> where yeah, he can spoiler. tell you how beautiful and mediocre it was. It wasn't good. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't say I liked it either. But uh, Kono also worked on the Monogatari series as key animator. Uh, several of the series, both Kizu and, and Bake, I guess if we want to uh, truncate it like that. So uh, a lot of work throughout that entire series, and also did in-between animation on the Madoka Magica movies as well. And lastly, we've got the theme song for the movie, as all anime movies nowadays have to have a theme song, by uh, Hikaru Tada, who I've never really heard of before. Oh my. Yeah, she's she's uh, fairly unknown. I mean, she's worked on <laughs> <A> these <newcomer. laughs> somewhat unpopular franchises like Kingdom Hearts and Evangelion, you know, things that nobody would really know. <laughs> Kingdom Evangelion. <laughs> <laughs> Neon Genesis Hearts. Oh man, I'd watch. I that. mean, I mean, yeah. Disney owns almost everything at this point. I mean, <laughs> they just got to cut Studio Kara a check. I'm sure Hideaki Anno would take it and then just use it to buy Ultraman toys. <laughs> man, wouldn't that be wild? Is if instead of Netflix picking up Ava like Disney did? Oh my gosh, Oof. Evangelion now coming to Disney Plus. <laughs> <laughs> what if they did like a theme park that's just Ava? I would oh cry. My gosh. <laughs> that would not be the first Eva theme park, but it would yes. be the one I would go to. Tear down the Astral Orbiter in Tomorrowland and just oh, replace man. it with a scale model of Unit 1. Yes, yes, yes. What are we putting in place of the uh, Tomorrowland Speedway? 
Uh, just a LCL, like a gigantic LCL pool. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yep. But anyway, let's go ahead and move on into the cast here. So uh, I saw, like I said, I saw the Japanese version. Uh, you guys saw the English. So we'll kind of break mm-hmm. it down that way. So uh, as far as our, our main character, the main boy, uh, school boy, study boy, science boy, <laughs> whatever you want to call him, uh, Aoyama. I'm not conceited, so that means I'm amazing, boy. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> in the Japanese, he's played by Kanakita, who's mostly worked on a uh, live-action works. They haven't really done a whole lot of anime, specifically. Uh, most uh, series just known as Good Morning Call and Miracles, uh, none of which I'm familiar with personally, but uh, it's not really big into you know drama series like that. I think Miracle was a uh, hockey movie by Disney from the uh, mid-2000s. <laughs> I think you're thinking of Mighty Ducks. Yeah, Mighty Ducks. No, no that was our <laughs> hockey movie from the 90s. A For difference. some reason, I wanted to say Good Luck Ducks, and I'm just like, that's not <laughs> it. That's not it. <laughs> Mighty DuckTales. Woo. Woo. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Speaking Tobias. of series, I would watch. <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway. And uh, in English, uh, Aoyama was played by Gideon Modisette, who was uh, one of two child actors we would see on this series. Hasn't really done much of anything here. I wasn't able to find a whole lot, uh, at least reliable information, on Gideon here. So it'll be interesting to see if we see more of uh, you know, him in the future. I certainly hope so, because he was fantastic. He was good. Yeah. So good. He, he played that role with such a... Uh such a believable amount of honesty to the mm-hmm. kind of character that Aoyama mm-hmm. is. Like yes. he could have easily come off as sort of bratty just because of the nature of his character. And I'm sure we'll talk about that in a minute, but um, yeah, really excellent performance. Very nuanced. Mm-hmm. And the other main character, the Onesan or young lady uh, in the Japanese is not played by Mayumi Shitani as I swore the entire time I watched it, uh, <laughs> known for their very nasally, almost whiny, uh, roles of like Midori and Luluko and uh, Haruko and Furikuri. Uh, but no, she's played by Yui, Yu Aoi, uh, who's got a couple of notable roles, the most being uh, in Red Lion as Sonoshi McLaren, one of the main characters there. Also done, uh, again, more live action movie roles, mostly adaptations of anime properties, like the most recent Uroni Kenshin movies, uh, Tokyo Ghoul, and the Honey and Clover live action adaptations. Mm. And in the English, uh, the Onei-san is played by Erica Harlocker, a third impact anime favorite. True. Um, she is Violet in Violet Evergarden. She is on in Persona 5. Uh, yep. She is uh, one of the biggest Kingdom Hearts fans on the face of the planet. Um, <laughs> all around good lady. Got to meet her at Hamacon. That was very pleasant. Nice. And uh, we have the next on the list here, Hamamoto, that uh, star chess player that was sort of the foil for Aoyama for most of the movie. Uh, in, in the Japanese dub, she is played by Megumi Han, who we've talked about at length back during the Little Witch Academia episode, like two years ago at this point. <laughs> uh, she is, of course, Akko. Uh, in Devilman Crybaby, she was Miki. And Hunter Hunter as Gone, as well as a whole slew of other roles you can feel free to check out her ann article uh for everything she's done she's also a relative unknown (laughs) big quotes yeah 
And uh, in the English, Hamamoto has played An Yatko, uh, who's worked on a couple of recent dubs with Kuruma Crew, uh, with roles in In This Corner of the World, and was also in Devilman Crybaby as Miki's mother. Oh, neat. Fitting. Interestingly enough, yeah. All right, and uh, Aoyama's best friend, uh, Uchida, in the Japanese, is played by Ri Kugamiya, who I really shouldn't have to mention because she's played in almost everything over the past 10 years or so. <laughs> uh, yeah. Again, if you want to if you want to get a taste of uh, of Kugimiya, you could just ch- check out the ANM encyclopedia article. It's like 10 pages long. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also a, an unknown. Yes. Yeah. She's uh none other than Alf uh Alphonse Elric in Full Metal Alchemist. She's an idol master. She's in Tokyo Ghoul. She's in pretty much anything you can imagine. Yeah, and if exactly. it's a Sundari character, it's probably voiced by her. Right. Usura. <laughs> yes. And uh, in the English, Ishida is played by the other child actor in the film, Landon Betty. No real comment from the, the peanut gallery there? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't which say. Which one is Uchida? Uh, That's little, the little boy that was always crying. Oh, oh. Kid. Yeah, that yeah. was just like, ah. I'm scared. Ah. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Th- I remember he thinking was... a similar thing about yeah. uh, him compared to Aoyama. Just, just general, uh, general believability without being irritating or annoying. Mm-hmm. Not coming yes. off as like a child actor, but coming out, right. coming off as a an acting child, and it worked yes. quite well. And uh, lastly, let's talk about some of the awards this movie has uh, has uh, I guess been awarded. That's the, that's a good verb, right? That's what that's what you do with awards. Yeah, mm-hmm. you tend to award them to people or gain them, be be awarded them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so primarily, this one, the uh, Axis Satoshi Kon Award for Excellence in Animation, that was awarded at the Fantasia International Film Festival uh, earlier this year for the best animated feature, and it was nominated for the Japan Academy Prize for Animation. However, lost to Mirai. Interesting. Uh, kind of a shame. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that award last year was given to Night is Short Walk On Girl, so it's definitely in good oh. company uh, for sure. So as a general breakdown of the plot here, and uh, you guys can sort of help me out because it's been, what, like a week since we saw it here. So uh, the movie revolves around our main character, Aoyama, who's like 10 or 11 in the film. Uh, he's a, unlike a lot of anime protagonists, I think we kind of touched upon this earlier, uh, he's uh, A, believable, <laughs> and uh, B, as a as a child, you know, somebody who's 10 years old, he has a very analytical, scientific mind. So mm-hmm. he does deviate from our, our typical, you know, anime trope norms of that degree. Uh, but anyway, uh, in this uh, small town that Aoyama and his friends live, there suddenly has been a bunch of penguins that show up everywhere. They're kind of walking around, getting people's way, and just disappearing. Uh, you know, coming, coming back and forth, and people aren't really quite sure what to make of this. Uh, so as he's going on his daily lives and getting bullied by some of his classmates that he tries to outsmart, uh, he meets uh, this young lady. Just young lady is her name, and I've never really named. Another typical Morimi trait here. Mm-hmm. She is uh, the uh, the receptionist at his dentist. Now right. she's a dental technician. Oh, excuse Ex- me. <laughs> yes. Yes. I didn't so, mean uh, I didn't mean to accidentally demote her. I apologize. You're right. 
I don't. Well, I think that's her 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 job title, but her real uh-huh. responsibilities include conjuring penguins from <laughs> the nether. Yes. Because <laughs> as we find out very shortly thereafter, she has this ability where she can just make penguins. Uh, and in a very iconic scene, uh, she's trying to help him pull a loose tooth, and uh, she throws a coke can in the air that you know in order to distract him, but it just morphs into a penguin and. As we see of the course of the movie, she can just make penguins uh, for from anything. <laughs> Mission certainly accomplished because it definitely distracted him. Yeah, <laughs> very very true. So as the movie progresses, uh, Aoyama again, this very analytical kid, is trying to solve the mystery of how she can make penguins, mm-hmm. and eventually I find out that the penguins are traveling to this uh, huge sphere of water that's just hovering in the middle of this wooded area outside of the uh, you know, on the edges of their town mm-hmm. and there's a whole other mystery involved with that but it all comes together at the end in a very surreal amazing finale and I'll leave it at that I won't spoil the actual ending for you of course that's not what mm-hmm. we do here on this podcast <laughs> well that's what we'll do later you know in the discussion point but yeah that, that, I think it's a general uh, you know plot line for this movie mm-hmm. i think all that being said you know that is the general plot but some of the ma- major themes of it are just like you know obviously like growing up and uh you know dealing with uh you know uh social the, the social things that late elementary schoolers go through um uh them sort of coming into an understanding of who they are as people and them sort of evaluating for the first time like their relationships uh, to other people and right. um our main kid aoyama like goes through the uh the process of what it's like to have a first crush where he is starts crushing on the dentist lady as um, all he's kids like do. as all kids do and uh him trying to figure out what his feelings are it's just like why why does she make me feel this way why does her face make me happy and that sort of stuff but he puts it in such a dry way because he's so analytical about it like always taking notes about not only penguins but about like his own personal feelings and stuff like that so that was he was a really interesting character to see because he's he was so upfront about everything there wasn't this uh this sort of um current of the uh melodramatic anime like hiding of your feelings and things like that because he was incredibly open about everything he thought everything he felt and that was really different you don't really see a lot of that mm-hmm. yeah no for sure we see a lot of these romantic movies like this or you know thinking back uh to to uh to your name from a few years back it's more uh a I guess it's more for teenagers, young adults. And like you said, it's a lot of this like Japanese anxiety around, um, you know, uh, really, really like showing your true self and mm-hmm. opening up to other people. But here, and I think this is something that we see in a lot of uh, Morimi works is uh, these almost cartoonish characters that are really just very open and very open with sharing their feelings as quirky mm-hmm. as they can be. And mm-hmm. I think that really helps this movie in that degree. Yeah. I, um, I likened it to like a Haruki Murakami work, mm. um, For sure. where it is very surrealist. Um, and a lot of the things that are going on that are very strange are both a literally happening, like in the world of the movie, like everyone experiences it. It's not like a vision or an illusion or whatever. Like the penguins are happening. They're really, Mm-hmm. You know, showing up out of nowhere and all the villagers can see him and all that stuff. Um, 
not only that, but they are also like metaphorical representations of other feelings and anxieties going on in the characters of the movie. And uh, having not really read a lot of Marimi's work, but just seeing the movie adaptations, but also having read Murakami works, they seem somewhat similar in that mm-hmm. regard, at least. And uh, on that note, uh, the the novel did just get released in English this past weekend. Oh, very good. Yeah, I'll so have to feel read free that. to check that out. It just got uh, released, and uh, also the night is short. Walk on girl is getting a uh, English adaptation, the novel specifically. Uh, in June, so we're getting two of these in English officially very shortly. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay, yeah, so that, that was kind of actually one of my discussion points as far as the cast was concerned. Uh, going into this, I think the first five minutes in, I, I definitely saw a lot of the same uh, Morimi sort of quirkiness in these characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you mentioned earlier, Tori, about the main character being very conceited, you know, not trying to commit himself. Like, he's not really. He's the only non-conceited person here, but that's why he's so <laughs> awesome, because he's not full of himself. That's what cracked me up and, like, really made me, like, like his character. Because um, as we said before, like, I feel like he's a really, like, valid uh, portrayal of a kid around that age. When he was just going, you know, I'm so amazing and all the girls are going to marry me and I'm going to have 72,000 girlfriends. Um, it just reminded me of that meme where that kid's like, I have 1,000 girlfriends. And then in the next panel, it was like, just kidding, I lied. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then he was like, but I'm not conceited, so that makes me amazing. Therefore, all the women will love me. And I was like, oh my goodness, that is too too funny. And um, But it was just, it was so charming. It wasn't like you were getting mad at him for being annoying or anything. And um I don't know. I just I liked him as a character. He was very very precious, and I think they really captured the feeling of a child. Like I don't know. I feel like every kid at some point when they were younger has had a weird crush on an adult because they don't know any better. <laughs> um, and I thought that was I thought that was very well portrayed. Um, even if I did feel like the lady overstepped some boundaries at some points, but we can get into that later. But yes, right. main little boy so, is a good little boy. <laughs> exactly. And I think we see a lot of these uh, very interesting, quirky characters in Morimi's work. We look at mm. Tatami Galaxy and like the, the main character there is sure he's also very conceited and narcissistic, but we don't really identify with him because of that. It's very obvious to see that he's in the wrong and to sort of see him like evolve and grow and mature through the series is like the main uh sort of i would say one of the main draws of tatami galaxy and then moving into like the eccentric family uh the main character there is obviously going through a lot of uh guilt over uh issues that come up and his father's death and the fallout that's caused in this uh, whole tanuki culture so it's, it's uh the main character of the eccentric family is very very different than uh than either tatami galaxy or the one here and even Night is Short, while the main male character there is kind of a continuation of Tatami Galaxy's uh, main character, I, I think the real star there would be this the the uh, the raven-haired girl. And even mm-hmm. then, she's obviously going into you know this exploration of her own you know maturation and growing up, like, like crossing that uh, threshold into adulthood and just trying to be very open. And I feel like all these characters, for what they do, is very different than we see in protagonists in anime, especially particular tv series or light novel adaptations uh when i think of these typical male characters in like 
these primarily isekai shows, for instance, they're just everyman <laughs> characters. They're meant mm-hmm. to be self-inserts for the people watching. Yes. And if and you I identify like, with those characters, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> I mean, true, with a lot of a lot of those issues. But I feel like the main character themselves are just so blank. We look mm-hmm. at, like, Karito with SAO, and I'm not going to offend any, you know, Sword Art Online fans there. But still, like, Karito is just a blank slate that you're supposed to... You know, want to be exactly like he's he's good at video games that is his entire character yeah. uh, at the beginning but here like you can't just imprint yourself on a morimi protagonist because they are all so different and sure you can relate to them i'm sure a lot of a lot of uh specifically males but a lot of you know people in college probably identify with watashi and the tatami galaxies being very narcissistic i'm sure we've had those feelings uh it's almost universal to some degree uh, you can't just go into that impressing yourself upon that character, mm-hmm. and and uh, in this case in Penguin Highway, I feel very much in the same way that he's uh, Aoyama can be very quirky. We can watch him and and see how uh, believable he is as a kid, but it's not something you would just exactly relate to. And I feel like we sort of watch him come to an understanding of like social politics in a way that in the sense that he tries to understand things in such like a methodical way, but then sort of he learns throughout the course of the movie through evaluating his own feelings and the feelings of the people around him that like sometimes the way people feel is not the way that they express themselves in the real world. And you have to, you have to be attentive to that because not everyone is going to always, you know, show on their face what they're feeling on the inside and they're not always going to um, feel on the inside what they're showing on their face. Um, so, and that's sort of what he comes to uh, understand, like, in the ways that he confronts, like, the bully character versus the way the other um, kids confront the bully character. Um, in the way that he uh, interacts with um, Hamamoto um, versus how other people um, interact with her. Um isn't there, like, that one scene where he basically tells the bully character, like, well, hey, if you've got a crush on Hamamoto, you should just tell her, like, right in front of her face. Yeah. And I'm just like, kid, you, you, you can't do that. And then he sort of learns that, like, oh, yeah, I guess I can't do that. <laughs> but, when like, it, you he kind of has seems... a point, though. Sometimes you should just tell people things. He, he does, but again, <laughs> I mean, that's so true, but, like, people don't work that way. It's like, you have to come to those conclusions on your own. Like you can't have some other person like force you to do it. I mean, obviously you can like encourage them, but like, don't, don't like put their, um, like, uh, anxieties or, um, concerns like on full blast in front of the class. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so I think this sort of, uh, be the inverse for Aoyama. Let's talk about the the dental technician here, the assistant. Because yeah. I feel like she was she, she was more of a conundrum for me because I felt like she was so weird. Yes. I guess yeah. uh, she, she needs more uh, friends than an eleven year old child. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I started off, I started off like, okay, she's just his crush. All right, he's he's really interested in boobs uh, in a very <laughs> scientific way, so I can understand that. But you're like the the scene where he just sleeps over and it's like man i i I, I didn't expect that (laughs) when that happened i literally turned to austin and i was just like it's his father and i think he has a mother you just don't see her as often as you do the dad but i was just like does he know is he okay with this like i know that like 
this is a small town and she is probably at this like one dental clinic in the entire town maybe i don't know i'm assuming a lot and is also his babysitter sometimes question mark but like I, if i was a parent i would be flipping out like i don't know it's just really weird it took me out of it for a moment <laughs> yeah it was it was very weird and it, it made me question like I, cause I don't think that's even sure like you said a small town would be a little more familial but even then and there's just kind of a throwaway line right after where he, uh, he says uh, you know that would be the only time the last time I would stay over to her house and yeah. I wouldn't see her for a while and it's like, oh but you kind of get like oh he's in trouble or maybe she's in trouble mm-hmm. but then there's no fallout from that we don't see any big deal made of it she shows up later like nothing happened Right. Yeah, I feel like they they really could have benefited and fixed all of that by having, like, some sort of reason why he was there or, like, some sort of scene of her interacting, like, with his parents or something mm-hmm. because, uh, well, why? I mean, there is a scene kind of like that because, like, she's teaching him chess at the coffee shop, like, a couple days out of the week and he she, like, babysits him because uh, dad was coming home late, but, um... I yeah, other than that, it was very, it was very threadbare. Like, mm-hmm. it was a little, it was a little weird. I'm assuming, though, that he stayed with her because she just, like, passed out, basically, and he was worried about her. And, like, yeah. they're yeah, obviously not going to, like, um, exposition so much where they're just going to show us a scene of him calling his dad. <laughs> but also, at the same time, we're just kind of like, yeah, like, this is, this is weird. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't know if it's one of those things that maybe is given more information in the novel to give it a little Perhaps. more explanation. Because I, I feel like yeah. it was just there for the sake of having it. Mm-hmm. There really wasn't much reason. Uh, that was it, it, it stood out way too much yes. for very little payoff. And it kind of makes me wonder why they did that. I think probably the core of that scene was just the, the delivery of the line where he says, um, like, how can a a face structured in this specific mm-hmm. way, like make me feel so happy or whatever. The DNA. Um, yeah. Like you're talking about DNA and all that stuff. So he's like trying his darndest to like try and explain his feelings for the dentist lady. Um, and I, I feel like that was the, that's like supposed to be the core of that scene. But um, I feel like, yeah, you're probably right. There's some, there's some like thread connection that we were missing that, threw the audience off i'm sure we're, i'm sure the three of us are not the only people that felt that way <laughs> oh for sure certainly yeah, not just a little too uh, out there and if it had mm-hmm. a reason you know like if, if there was uh if the parents had showed up later to get really mad at her or if they mm-hmm. made a scene about it that would make a little more sense than to just have it with no payoff mm-hmm. yeah for sure i don't know I mean, this is not a, a long-form adaptation like a series, like if it were a manga series. Uh, we have a lot of anime movies and series shows that have that problem with being very episodic feeling. Uh, so, you know, this doesn't have that issue. Maybe, I don't know if it's if they're going chapter by chapter, maybe causing that uh, you know pacing issue, but who knows? I, I can't really say. Mm-hmm. And again, just want to point out again just how believable the, these act, these performances are. I feel like uh, you mentioned it a little bit earlier that these aren't just typical anime kids where they're just there for plot purposes. And they, even the performances from the actors themselves just aren't. They're not very basic and just to the point. They, they do feel like kids, very goofy. Uh, I mentioned it earlier, but I, I did think, I, I did find his scientific fascination with breast 
uh, kind of funny. Uh, usually when we talk, we think about like, uh, you know, or sexual stuff for anime. It's kind of the whole roll your eyes. Oh, here we go again. It's like this. pure cheesecake with nothing else. Yeah, yeah, but I feel like just the way it was done here, sure, it's cheesy. Uh, yeah, the camera does linger on her chest uh, and a, a couple times, a little, a little too long. I'm so glad it wasn't just me. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I think in the beginning, at least seeing his notebook for it, it was like, oh, well, that's that is absolutely something I could see a, a Japanese kid doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and I think. He, I think, too, like, that age range is when kids start to notice that things are different about other people, and it didn't feel, it didn't feel weird or anything, because, like, I don't know, like, I always, I have this weird, like, I don't know how to explain it, but, like, weird, I guess, feeling towards it where it's, like, sometimes in certain content you'll see storylines like that and it just feels really, like, uncomfortable because it sort of can get, like, too sexualized. But, like, I think it's normal for children to, you know, see other people and be like, oh, well, something about her is different from this girl I know or something about him is different from this boy I know and things like that. Mm -hmm. And it didn't, like you said, it was a little eye-rolly and too lingering at times, but it didn't feel, it didn't feel too weird. (laughs) Yeah, it was kind of in service of this whole idea of, like, him trying to figure out, like, why he feels certain ways about certain things and, like... For a kid, like, yeah, those are really strange feelings. Like, as adults, like, we kind of understand why we feel that way, why we're attracted to what we're attracted to. But, like, kids mm-hmm. are, like, they're understanding that for the first time. And, like, the dentist lady, like, she she knows what he's doing yeah. and, like, calls him out on She's it. Like, it, you it makes for some pretty stop. funny scenes. <laughs> exactly. So uh, it, it creates this little kind of funny back and forth. Yeah. And he's always, like, kind of embarrassed about it. Mm-hmm. But, like, um, and it's it's good because she doesn't exactly, like... I don't know, she's like, not like, ooh, don't ever talk to me again. Like, she calls him out, and it's like, that's not right, but, um... Yeah, she doesn't, do... like, berate him or, like, mm-hmm. punish him for that. She's right. just like, hey, kid, knock it off. And my my only thing was later on in the movie, I felt like they sort of turned her into just a walking pair of boobs, but, like, you know, we can get into that. <laughs> yeah, I, I was gonna mention that earlier. Like, I think I, I, we might be going into this anyway, but I feel like... And Tori, I mentioned this whenever we were walking out of the theater, but I feel like out of the, like, probably the biggest deficit of this film, I think, overall, is that, like, we, it's like, she doesn't really, we don't really know who she is They as a left character. her too mysterious, and not she in a good way. She was very mysterious. Yeah, and it's not like, it's not like the whole movie is ruined because of that, like, mm-hmm. but she is very much used in the context of this film to basically be, like, one of the vehicles in which um, Aoyama uses to fully understand himself. Right, um, and that's not fair. <laughs> no, it's like, I get it, but um, yeah, she doesn't really have her own arc, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, we find out some of her, like, mystery, but her character arc is a little bit, like, she doesn't really have one. She no. just doesn't have one. She doesn't I mean, really change. Yeah, at the end of the day, she's not really a real person. She just disappears, and that's that. Yeah, yeah. She's part. She's part of the extended metaphor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think the scene that kind of like solidified that in my mind is when they were like riding the penguins back to the the like ocean mm-hmm. bubble thing, and like they had just left a lingering shot on like her boobs just bouncing as they were like going down the street and I'm like yes okay like if you have a larger chest that is how boobs work but like yeah. tying that in to like we had all agreed upon like her just being a vehicle in which he discovers himself 
like, and then the lingering shots, and it just, it just didn't sit right with me, and I remember going out of the movie theater, and, like, my thing is, like, when I don't know how I feel on something, because I, I still don't know how I feel about this movie, um, I really would like to rewatch it, um, but, so my thing is, like, I'll go out, and, like, I'll start looking online on, like, Twitter, and, like, other websites, and, um, just kind of taking in other people's opinions because sometimes that helps me kind of like formulate my own right. thought. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just saw this amazing tweet that was just like, what if the theory of relativity was just a boob character? And I was like, oh, yes, yes, that's exactly how I felt. Thank you, random Twitter user, because you're right. Like, <laughs> You're right. Yeah, but what if, though? Well, she was <laughs> right there in Penguin Highway. That's it. That's the podcast. Good night. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's going to be probably the weakest aspect of the movie. It's gonna yes. moving forward is is just how weak that character could be in the in the long scheme of things. Um, are they localizing this novel by chance? I would like to think they probably are, since we're getting. Um, it, yeah. it's, it's done. Yeah, it's, it's out this weekend. Oh, okay, cool. So I think I want to pick it up and read it because, like. If only someone had paid attention when Tobias said that earlier. I'm sorry. I think I was probably focusing so hard that I wasn't focusing. <laughs> you, were just, you were just thinking about the moves again. Exactly. <laughs> um, but no, I, I would like to read it and just see if she has any more like characterization. Because I think it's just lazy writing to use a woman as a vehicle for a man discovering himself. Well, it's not a man. It's mm. a boy. But like eventually he will be a man. But... It's just like lazy, lazy writing to me. Yeah, I, I would agree, generally speaking, but that's, that's why I'm so glad that this was not really a movie about like adults finding each other. It's oh, about boy. like <laughs> yeah. a kid finding himself because like in in a way, like adults don't really exist in the kid world. Like kids are kids and adults right. are adults and they're exactly. like separated. So it's like it's more forgivable within the context of this film, but it's yes. still like obviously not great. Mm-hmm. But then you have to remember adults are creating this work. So, like, I mean, it's true, but like, this is obviously like a well. I don't. I don't even want to say obviously. Like, I would hesitate to call this a kids' movie. It's not. I mean, it's like it's. <laughs> I, I feel like the target audience for this movie would be like me, young adults, specifically Tobias. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you can't call it a kids' movie, even though it is a movie about kids. <laughs> what is? it <laughs> what is you know what i'm talking about <laughs> <laughs> and that's funny that you mentioned that because this film this is kind of going on a different topic but uh there's a lot of things in this movie that reminded me of like kid kids movies from kids on or, bikes kids on, kids bikes. on bikes movies from the 80s like et and like uh goonies. the goonies and like it to some degree um, and Stranger Things, which is obviously from, like, that sort of same bloodline. Like, it very much has that overall, like, motif of, like, kids dealing with some sort of alien mystery and not really trusting the adults. And, like, the government gets involved with weird science stuff. And then there's, like, some big alien catastrophe towards the end of the movie. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's basically E.T. Um, but uh, it was done in a way that didn't make me feel like they were retreading anything. Yeah. It was just a, an interesting little wink. Mm-hmm. However, I didn't feel like anything really was at risk other than like the lady being sick because um, they yeah. didn't really know what was wrong with her. But I felt like there was no like. Well, the um, you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> Hamamoto's dad and that whole team, like they did get lost in the uh, the bubble and they were ah, not sure true. if they were going to be alive or not. Yeah. So there, there were like some degree of, uh, of stakes for sure. But um, 
maybe nothing it's because like universal, we're, I don't think. Yeah, maybe it's because we're comparing it to like like those eighty movies where like, I don't know, children were murdered and things like that. So <laughs> Oh yeah, I gotta love all that child murdering yes, tea. I remember love that child murder. He, remember that scene where he grabs the axe and just like murders um The penguins. The penguins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Covers their bodies in Reese's pieces. That totally happened. Ooh, yum. <laughs> have you ever had penguin meat? What movie I did you not. see again? <laughs> penguin. I've seen every penguin, movie. Come on. Uh, penguin slay way. <laughs> that sounds like the Christmas special. <laughs> Is there any possible way we can get back on track? Yes. <laughs> well, okay. So I, I think we've, we've talked about a good, good bit about that. We mentioned a little bit earlier about the. Uh, you know, comparing these different Moriami adaptations between studios. So uh, both Tatami Galaxy and Night is Short were done by Science Saru, uh, uh, Yuasa Studio, and they have a very similar similar visual motif. So I, I can see the connection between those two for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. But when we have a, a centric family, and t- what, 20, uh, 2013, I want to say? 2013 or 14? Uh, from PA 14. Works. Mm-hmm. It was interesting to see how that, that series is very different visually a little more traditionally anime, but also still felt kind of quirky and goofy. I think that's probably the the weirdest, or the, the I guess the 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 largest outlier uh, from the other body of Marumi's works. I think mm-hmm. Penguin Highway, while also very different from the Tommy Galaxy, still had that surreal aspect. Still had those quirky characters that sort of made it made it work. And I feel like. Uh, Morimi's writing sort of bleeds through all of these uh, these adaptations, despite the studio that adapts them. Did you notice that one of the bully kids, like, almost looked like Ozu? I, I did. <laughs> I couldn't quite yes, tell if it was meant I, to be or not. Right, right. He, like, almost looked like Ozu, almost looked like the god of the used books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, so. I was waiting for more of those type of callbacks. Yeah, I know. I did notice that he, he looked a little bit off, but yeah, he was close to an Ozu. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it'll be interesting to to actually get to sit down and read these books to see how well they, maybe not how well they hold up, but to see, again, more comparison between mm-hmm. their adaptations. Uh, I, I still need to finish Eccentric Family. I think I, mm-hmm. I dropped it with one episode left and never finished it because I'm a terrible person. <laughs> mm-hmm. But Eccentric Family is super good. I enjoyed it uh, for what I watched. I guess as a general statement to folks listening at home, like there are plenty of anime and uh, there are plenty of anime works that are um, based on written pieces like light novels and stuff like that. But really until I started getting into the Morimi verse, there has never really been any anime that have made me want to return to the original source material so much. Mm. Um, And I mean, obviously that's just me. But I think that that says a lot. Like, no other anime other than these have made me really want to go back and read the source material. I would totally agree with that. Yeah. I think the only thing for me that ever did that was, like, Monogatari. But I wanted to see how they Mm. pulled off the weirdness of the show within, like, a written format. So I have Mm. all those on my shelf, mostly, and I've yet to start them. So, (laughs) Um, Strangely enough, you know, the the Monogatari novels, you know, there are some... Thing. There are some through lines between Morimi's works and those. I think that you could, uh, you could definitely see um, oh, them both 
both trying to do some very similar things yeah. with the way that they write character or the way that they write characters. See, I only allow myself to like one nasty thing, and that's Monogatari. I thought that was me. <laughs> Valid. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> All right. So I think another big aspect of this movie, like I said, the characters, while realistic, there are some issues there. Uh, another thing that stood out for me would be just the visuals all throughout. Uh, mm-hmm. I noticed very early on within the first few minutes just how colorful and vibrant this movie was. Uh, maybe also sort of trying to compare this subconsciously to the, you know, to Tommy Galaxy and even Eccentric Family. is It felt very different visually from those works and i was really glad to see colorito work their magic here as uh it was just a, a lot of fun to watch i completely agree and and it, it's it, penguin highway and a lot of other of colorito's things are very very soft mm-hmm. um but very yeah. vibrant at the same time similar to um uh comics wave in a way uh, like Makoto Shinkai's studio. Um, I see a lot of visual similarities there, both incredibly competent at doing like nature backgrounds and really vibrant colors. And I would honestly say that in terms of like color, con- like color, like uses of color and color compositions, Colorido is up there with, with Science Saru in terms of um, being able to use color as like a uh, way to tell their stories. Mm-hmm. I it like in their name. Yeah, I like the. Um bright summery colors in contrast mm. to the penguins because penguins do not oh, yeah. live in warm environments so that was um really fun to see visually yeah that's such a good point like i hadn't really thought of it that way but um yes yeah, you you never really see penguin things where like penguins are put into a in a environment that is colorful yes. typically always just see them in snow like happy mm-hmm. feet starring yeah, robin like williams <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, an- another major aspect to this movie's visual aesthetic would just be how surreal a lot of this stuff can be mm-hmm. and uh, we see this pretty early on with like the the, the jabberwockies that show up as well as the the penguins that just conjure out of thin air and a lot of uh, visual uh, goofs like that but then we see later with the the what they call the ocean with a capital o that huge water you know water sphere that just appears out of nowhere grows and shrinks and then later with that that final scene with them riding the penguin wave uh to 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 neverland it looks like (laughs) uh it's just really really off really off the wall really out there and um definitely got a lot of fodder from my surrealism panel that's for damn sure really happy about that like i got my money's worth that way if nothing else but i was really happy to see just really trippy aspects in the movie well. Whenever I get my Blu-ray, I'm excited to pop it in and just do a frame-by-frame frame of the uh, animation of the Coke can morphing into a penguin. Because mm-hmm. yeah. uh, I think just that alone is just isolated brilliance. Yeah. Yes. Completely. And uh, to, to go back earlier into uh, Ishida's earlier works, like Fumiko's Confession and how frenetic a lot of that animation can be, uh, a lot of good sakuga there... I think we see a lot of that here, like you said, with the Coke can. It's not uh, overbearing like a lot of you know Sakaga fan stuff can be, where it's nothing but fast movement. Uh, we see just a lot of little shots like that that are just so well animated that they stand out. Yeah, I think it was a good... Um, what do I want to say? It was a good mixture of surrealism with realism, so it didn't... Like, it stood out, but it didn't feel like it was too much. Does that make sense? Like, it was really... Yeah. 
really well balanced, I guess, is how I want to put it. So let's go ahead and uh, sort of close out our cast here. Uh, Austin. Yes, sir. What was your most iconic, most memorable scene from the movie? Um, let's see. This is like, I introduced the idea of doing this question and I can almost never answer it. Um, <laughs> I'm really bad at every this. time. Yeah. You're right. And I had all this time to think about it too. Um, that two weeks. <laughs> two weeks. Two whole um, weeks. Okay, I've got it. Um, so most I, most memorable scene for me is when he gets tied up to the vending machine by the bullies. <laughs> what <laughs> are you doing? One. I'm pretending to be a vending machine. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he was just so nonchalant, matter of fact about it too. Like it was the most normal and then, thing. And, and then she straight up just gets a coke can out of the vending machine. <laughs> yeah, like, like it's no big deal. But um. To extend my answer to that, I would say probably, you know, that being my favorite scene or most iconic scene, uh, uh, that whole sequence in of itself where, like, they're trying to pull his tooth, uh, mm-hmm, it just, yeah. that just cracked me up. That was just so funny. Again, very believable because this kid that's supposedly very analytical and knows that all it's going to take is a quick pull uh, sort of resists that notion and he's very <laughs> scared, but doesn't yes. want to, doesn't want to show it. Yeah. I <laughs> mean, no matter what age it's like, we know we can do one quick thing, but like, but what if it goes wrong or what if it's not this? So. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So uh, Tori, how about yourself? What was your most iconic or memorable scene from the movie? Um, I really like the scene where after the tsunami thing happens and everything's all like beautiful and, wet and glistening um when they're running down the brick path and everything's like sunny and bright and the road is wet it just looks really pretty like i thought the like the greenery and like the road and everything and the Mm -hmm. young lady and young man were running down the road (laughs) and all the uh the grass and like foliage is overgrown and the Mm -hmm. cracks and around everything that was really a really cool visual Mm -hmm. motif as well Uh, i think mine was right after the the whole penguin rush, the the riding the penguin into the, the surreal world. They're kind of sitting there in the ocean and they can see both the sun and the moon at the mm-hmm. same time from oh, both yeah. sides. And there's like a couple seconds where the, just the way the camera is angled looks just like the sea of LCL from End of Evangelion. Yes. <laughs> I couldn't help but not see that the entire time. <laughs> Just imagine, like, a gigantic penguin head like Ray. Oh, no. I'm sure there's fan art of that somewhere. Uh, Give it to me. Certainly will be now. (laughs) All right, so moving on to our questions for the episode, we have uh, a couple from both Facebook and Twitter. So we had a question from uh, this nerd named Bill, Bill Foreman, (laughs) and also asked pretty pretty similarly by a, a... Another random nerd called It's Basil Time. <laughs> it's Basil Hime. <laughs> Basil, Basil Hime. <laughs> oh, it's perfect. Basil, you got to change it now. <laughs> they basically ask, uh, how does this movie stack up against other anime penguin characterizations? Um, 
This is probably the most realistic bunch of looking penguins I've ever seen. But I have to say my favorite penguins are the little jerks from Penguin Drum. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think they're the one that sort of jives the most closely with how surreal this can be. Mm-hmm. I think if we all accept that there can no there can be no penguin in anime better than Pen Pen, yeah. I would say that this one is, I mean, having not yet seen Penguin Drum, I think these penguins come in as a very close second. Right, and we, we can't also forget that there were some penguins in Azumanga as well, that Shio Chan mm-hmm. dressed up as a penguin, and that <laughs> one scene where the penguin knocks a bucket over. And, all, and also, uh, penguins were a, a large plot device in Place Further Than the Universe. Yeah, that's true. the uh, main character there, of course, her primary motivation was to uh, find her lost mother, but her second reason to go to Antarctica was just to see a cute penguins. What a mood. <laughs> Is there it a was... penguin highway in that movie? We're all on the penguin oh, highway excuse me, of in that life. show? <laughs> that is a good question. <laughs> and that's why we should all watch Place Further Than the Universe. Oh, penguin uh, highway into the danger zone. <laughs> There's also the penguin from Shirakuma Cafe who's just a little brat. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> He was so many, a, a great character. Yeah, there's surprisingly many more penguins in anime than one would think. <laughs> I think there's one in Pretty Cure, too, in one of the Pretty Cure series. Well, they're yeah. native to Japan, so... Valid, valid. <laughs> what are you trying to say, Asna? <laughs> we're Not going to nice. Japan to pet some penguins. That's what we're doing. <laughs> sure. But we have to make a pit stop to India so I can pet an elephant. <laughs> All right, so uh, our next question is asked by uh, Aqua Katsuragi. Uh, on Facebook here. Uh, they say, uh, I want to see this film so badly, but there are no showings in my area. Uh, I'd like to ask if you know a way to get more films like this in certain areas. So uh, I don't really think there's a very proactive way to get these uh, films screened in your area, unfortunately. Um, you can certainly reach out to Eleven Arts and G Kids to see if they want to accommodate that. But uh, primarily, these are kind of done through Fathom events. Mm-hmm. At least the G Kids showings are. Uh, I think Eleven Arts has their own arrangements, uh, mm-hmm. and thus the Eleven Arts stuff get a little less um, coverage than G Kids stuff d- does. But really, any major theater that does Fathom events in your area is likely going to have anime movies. Yeah. Uh, you may have to, you know, travel to a, a you know the local major me- metropolitan area. Uh, wherever you are to get that. Uh, I've had an issue with a couple 11 arts films not getting played in Asheville, North Carolina. But uh, every time I look, I do see screenings for Greensboro and Raleigh and Mm -hmm. all the major cities. So, uh, again, depending on where you live, you may have to travel a bit. But honestly, we're living in a time now where every month there's at least one anime film coming out. Which is crazy. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's Um, wild to think. And, again, seeing Penguin Highway... uh, my little theater, uh, little Cinemark, uh, was nearly full on a Monday evening playing we this were... film. I was shocked, honestly. <laughs> we were the only two people in Penguin Highway. And I feel like that happens a lot whenever we go to see the anime movies here. It's like just Austin and I that shows up in that one little dinky theater that they put all the anime movies in. Um, but mm. I would say just go see every anime movie you can and then i would like to think that the companies see that they're selling tickets in this area for these movies which maybe would make me think that they would bring more screenings to that area um i mean i don't know how that works that's just me like talking out of my butt basically but 
Um, I know at the theater that we always go to that gets most of the anime movies, there is a guy, um, if I'm remembering this correctly, there's a guy that works there that is basically the outreach to get the anime movies there, and he has been able to get so, so much. Um, So it might be just as simple as, like, talking to the people at your movie theater and seeing if they can, like, reach out to these companies about bringing um, those movies to whatever is near you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you guys, you guys pretty much hit the nail on the head. And Tori, I think your point is very valid. It's like, like kind of one of the biggest reasons why we are living in the sort of this golden age of anime in the theater is because a precedent was set, you know, a couple of years ago with the Dragon Ball Z movies doing so well in theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, and like before that, we didn't really have this sort of. Um, almost like a guarantee at this point that if it's a high profile anime film and sometimes if it's a really not a high profile anime film it will be showing somewhere within a 50 mile radius of you mm-hmm. like we didn't really have that before until like those dragon ball z movies came out exactly. and did like super well yeah, like when we so, got ava 3.0 within like an hour of where i live my mind was yeah. blown <laughs> <laughs> right and like if if that had come out now like pending studio Kara being really weird um like it's it would probably be in many more theaters in 2019 than it would have been back in like 2013 or whatever yeah but uh yeah that being said tori i'll just echo you like if there's an anime movie playing in your theater even if you've like seen it a thousand times like go give it your money mm-hmm. uh go see it show people that there's an interest in your area right. uh reach out to like art house theaters in your area see if they would be interested in like putting together an anime film festival like Mm -hmm. um g kids and um 11 arts and uh like discotheque and funimation and stuff like that they like they have ways to allow theaters to get their movies there yes so um like if the theaters know that there are people in town that are interested in that i mean hey you never know you could you could be looking at you know your small town getting like some really good anime movies if you just Mm -hmm. like take a take a risk and you know talk to them but yeah even if it's a movie you feel kind of like lukewarm on going to see just go see it anyway like i kind of felt that way about Cabinary, um when they ran like the first three episodes of the anime as like a movie and i ended up really really enjoying that and um, i even wanted to go see one of the one piece movies i didn't get a chance to mm. um but it looked interesting and i was like well i'm probably not gonna like this very much but like if I give them my money, theoretically, I should get more anime movies. But Exactly. And yeah. honestly, I was a little lukewarm going into this. Uh, the trailer didn't really grab me, but right. I heard a lot of things about Penguin Highway. Yeah. And I'm glad I did. I, right. I really enjoyed the movie and much this, more than I thought I was going to. Right. This movie's a perfect example. I, feel, I still feel kind of mm, on it, but I went to go see it anyway. And hopefully that gets us more movies. <laughs> Another uh, another major thing there is also just being aware of these movies. I'm finding mm-hmm. that even personally watching out for these things, I, I miss people talking about it. Yes. So like I've had to be careful with making sure that the Fathom Events Facebook page is like starred on my page so it, mm-hmm. it shows oh, yeah. up. Because they don't updates. advertise them very well. It's like yeah, just a generic very... like this is coming to theaters, but none of the theaters are like, hey, we're getting it unless you go and do the research. Yeah, I I almost missed Perfect Blue like that. Uh, they, mm-hmm. I, I did go see it, but I only saw that ad the same day that it was yeah. in theaters. Or you could be a jerk like me and show up to I Want to Eat Your Pancreas two months early and then still miss it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Tori. Well, we, we had to see Aquaman because of you. I know, I'm so sorry. 
<laughs> no, it's fine. But yeah, like like what you guys were saying, it, it might require you guys to, you to do a little bit more digging than you otherwise would for like your Shazams or your end games or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's also a uh, a blog for really cool writers called Yadatachi, which I'm sure we'll link in the show notes. Uh, that do a running like list of all the movies coming out in theaters in the U.S. Oh, that's cool. For anime Japanese properties. Uh, I've seen them retweet that list a couple times. And they always keep it updated with links for uh, like how to find the theaters near you. Mm-hmm. Since uh, both 11 Arts and G-Kids slash Fathom have their own web pages to have those tickets so yeah just if you if you want to go check that out again we'll link that in the show notes they've got everything coming out it looks like uh, asylum voice is still playing we have uh vampire hunter d's getting some limited release here oh Oh, boy hold on hold on hold on that austin texas only unfortunately just kind of looking through the list uh okozen uh just did a showing i really want to see that because that feels to me like a tory pandering movie (laughs) <laughs> I, I've, I've heard kind of both good and bad things about it so, okay. I, I, so much like Penguin Highway I, mm-hmm. I want to see it for myself to, yeah we gotta go see that to get it, to, <laughs> also think, to just bring it back around if you join the third impact anime community page on Facebook <laughs> we, we I, at least I try and be very diligent about letting people know when stuff is coming to the theater mm-hmm. yeah that can be tough I think the next the next fathom event is gonna be saga of Tanya the evil <laughs> the movie oh boy uh, it's not my cup of tea but a lot of people liked it so uh, May 16th if you're into Tanya the eviling and the sagas thereof uh, go check that out and of, of of course, they're doing a, another huge Miyazaki year-long uh, festival where they're showing all those movies in theaters. I'm sure you've got uh, access to that, if nothing else. But uh, yeah, just uh, just go out of your way to keep track. Again, both Fathom mm-hmm. Events and Eleven Arts have their own pages. They keep updated. Uh, for every movie that comes out, they have a, a way to trick you know to like check your zip code or check what's, what sites are playing. So that's another way to just keep tabs on that. I'm glad I finally got to see Asylum Voice. Uh, I love that movie. One of my favorites. Uh, So glad they were able to finally put that out in the local area. Mm -hmm. The next question is hugely essential. Okay, so again, we have yet another question (laughs) or series of questions from uh, Basil Hime. Uh, The first being, how life-changing are Crocs? Listen... Uh, Basil, sweet basil, I'm wearing my Crocs right now and have not taken them off since I got home. So you tell me the answer to this question. They're very life-changing. I have never worn a Croc. I have never worn a Croc and I will never mm-hmm. wear a Croc. <laughs> Listen, I, I want to follow up with, um, I don't really talk about it, <coughs> excuse me, a lot online, but like I know I complain to all of you all the time. I have a lot of, like, joint issues, especially in my lower half, so, like, my hips and my knees and my ankles and feet and all that fun stuff, but, like, Crocs are the only shoes that I have ever worn that do not agitate my joint problems, so they are very life-changing. No shame. At least until the podcast is over, and then I'll shame you a little bit. And then I'll get chastised, yes. Uh I don't watch Game of Thrones, (laughs) but what's that, like, shame-shame thing? I don't know. I don't know either. I don't think that's from Game of Thrones. <laughs> I, I'm pretty I sure I it is. The, the concept of, of shame is Game of Thrones. <laughs> shame of Thrones. <laughs> 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 <Not bad>. Sorry. 
All right, well, Basil Human also asks, what cons are you excited to attend this year? And boy, howdy, I cannot wait for Hamacon in July 19th <laughs> through the 21st in Huntsville, Alabama, the Bon Brown Convention Center. Um, <laughs> fingers crossed that I get the time off to come to Hamacon so I can terrorize everybody in Alabama. But um, I I always have to say AWA because like, that's the con that I always have the most fun at, with the exception of last yeah. year, but fingers crossed this year, I'm sure it will be much, much better. So, I'm really excited for Animazement this year for multiple reasons, but reason number one being that um, anime granddad himself, Masao Maruyama, will be there. He is arguably as much of a legend as Miyazaki, because he's about yes. as old as Miyazaki. <laughs> um, and he's founded more studios than really any one person ever should have. Uh, and... Uh, so I'm really excited that he's back. He's a, a pretty consistent animazement staple, but I don't think he's been there for the past two years because he's been too busy probably trying to make the Pluto anime, which he said a couple years ago that he would make before he died. Uh, <laughs> so I'm really excited that he's going to be back, and hopefully I'll get to go to a bunch of his panels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe he'll record a, uh, a bumper for our podcast for us. Oh, oh that would be amazing. Only, no, no, we have to get that from Sailor Moon herself. <laughs> moon prism power moon prism yeah, power yeah, I, I think it's going to be awesome yeah uh, could, could. <laughs> thank you Austin for that I'm glad You're we welcome. have that recorded <laughs> but uh, yeah no, I, I, I'm really excited for Kotono Mitsuishi I don't I, I've got like three people that have asked me to get her to sign things and it's like <laughs> I can't only wait in line so long guys and it's going to be I got to find something that that's when you have to that. uh pull in the poor sap behind you that's waiting in line with their friend uh like i did when i got um kana ueda's autograph <laughs> and i was, i just turned around and i looked at the sky and i'm like hey are you getting anything signed he's like no and then i just threw my other thing at him and i'm like brah pull me a solid please <laughs> so that's what you got to do that's the secret now i'm banned from every con ever <laughs> that's gonna be interesting come next month <laughs> exactly oh well but yeah i, I think it kind of covers our, our major cons here it's hard for me to get excited about cons because mostly they're working for me now but I, mm-hmm. I do enjoy them in a different sort of mellow way uh, even awa since that's just the one i'm going to for sure i don't really get excited so much as resign myself to going to this it sounds really depressing, but it's really not. <laughs> I will I will provide the flip side of that coin and it goes along with Basil's next question that like I am much more excited to go to a convention if I know I have to do panels. If I'm going to a convention and I'm not doing panels, I feel really weird. Uh, I did nowadays, that for the first yeah. yeah, nowadays especially like um Going to Ichiban Con this year was like so weird for me because I wasn't doing any panels. Uh, except I think I did sit in on the collecting 101 with the uh, with our midshelf friends, mm-hmm. but uh, other than that, it was a really strange weekend because I was so busy doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It but is anyway, very, very different. <laughs> uh, I mean, as for me, I don't, I don't know, man. I mean, we've got a couple new ones on the docket for our animazement, which we'll talk about a little closer to the event. It could be really interesting. I feel like every year, our whatever new panels we do are sort of my new favorites. But mm-hmm. again, we're doing I'm doing surrealism again. I've got a lot of new material from from Big One Highway. If nothing else, uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that grows at Animazement. But uh, we've got a couple interesting mishmash anime panels that uh, it'll be interesting to see how those play out. So 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, we shall Tori see. And, Tori and I are bringing Disney in Japan, and so that's going to be really exciting. Yeah. Um, the question, by the way, was what's your favorite panel to run this year? Uh, you forgot to say that, Tobias, but I recovered you kindly. <laughs> oh, well, you, well, you, you, you're the one that said it. No, I didn't. I just said, well, okay, well, I just said it right then. But anyway, okay. um, Tori and I are also working on a uh, panel about Kyoto animation, so mm-hmm. that's going to be fun. Uh, both going to be at um, at Animazement and probably all the other conventions that will be out this year. So cool. we've got a lot of panels that we're going to be doing at AZ. We will be very yeah. busy bees, mm-hmm. and all the better for it. Um... I don't know. I guess I'm really excited to do um, my horror anime panel because they, like, I always get a lot of people to show up for that. And it's always fun to um, talk to people afterwards about, like, what they thought should have been in the panel or what they, like, disagreed with being in the panel. Um, like me telling you every year that Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust needs to be in it, and then you it's ignoring me. Because every I year. haven't finished it. I've watched like up into the halfway point of that movie every time I've tried to watch it, and then I just get distracted and I never finish it. But um, I'm also excited to like split off and do a Japanese horror uh, movie panel because there's been a lot of good movies out over the past couple of years, like Sadako versus Kayako, that really need to be talked about and ingrained in the minds of the youth for years to come. Um, Mimu. <laughs> Mimu. Yeah. Um, and then I am looking forward, I guess, to the Pretty Cure one, too, because I know that usually, I don't know, they don't, like, that's not a thing that I really see at conventions, so I don't know what the audience turnout is going to be like that for, like, what the audience turnout is going to be, like, how do I speak? <laughs> Um, we, we know what you're trying to say. Yeah, um, just because it's more of like a like a niche thing, so that that's gonna be fun. And yeah, I've I've got good time slots and good days this year, so I'm actually I guess looking forward to everything because I don't have to be out super late. <laughs> Always a plus. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, so I think that kind of wraps up our podcast for this evening. Here, it was good to talk with you guys again about Japanese animation. Uh, pleasure as always yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so uh austin if people want to follow your words of wisdom through the glorious sense of social media where can they do that they can find me most easily over on twitter at bebop shock and that's uh bebop is in cowboy bebop and shock is in bioshock Look how you had to think about that. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was about to like spell it right out, and then I thought, no, wait, I don't do that. So then I just said it like I normally do. Uh, you can also find me and everyone else over on the Third Impact Anime website, which is thirdimpactanime.com. Again, that is thirdimpactanime.com. And Toy, where can people read about your Crocs? <laughs> Well, if you would like a direct line of communication, uh, the next full moon, please shake a locally sourced <laughs> skull full of river rocks, <laughs> and I will totally appear. <laughs> uh, however, if you are like me and do not engage in the fine art of face-to-face conversation, you can find me on Twitter <laughs> at <laughs> Worst Waifu, where I will tell you all about my Crocs. Such a misnomer, because I've always considered Tobias to be the worst waifu. Yeah, you know. He has to kill me to take the handle. (laughs) There can be only one. (laughs) (laughs) Not if I have to wear Crocs, no. Yes, yes, you do. That is is where the power comes from. That would be my Mm. magical girl transformation item, would be Crocs. (laughs) 
Wow. That's where the <laughs> worst really part comes from. <laughs> but it's those it's those really expensive, like three thousand dollar Valenciaga crocs that are like super platform with spikes on them. Bejeweled. Choice. <laughs> yes. Tobias, what and, about you? And uh, likewise, if you want to see my terrible retweets, you can do that on Twitter at, at Reverend underscore Tobias. Uh, I try to post, but um, I've been really busy lately, so you know how it is. Real <laughs> life, not uh, not amicable to anime shitposting, but it is what it is. All right. Well, again, you can find uh, all of our podcasts and articles and all of our output on uh, the internet at thirdimpactanime.com. If you do the social media thing, we're on Facebook uh, at just Third Impact Anime. We also have a community group there as well, which is linked to the main page. You can easily find that. On Twitter, we are at uh, at ti as in third impact underscore anime spelled out in full. So uh, feel free to check us out in one of those venues. If you are likewise addicted to social media and we will see you next time. Ooh.